Hey everyone, it's a rainy Friday in Minnesota. I'm Ron Johnson. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and this is the Friday Roundtable. That's Luke Inman, that's Sam Ekstrom, and that's Reggie Wilson from Care 11, and it's Friday. It's Saturday, Sunday. What? If you don't have kids, you have no idea what song I'm talking about. I think that's a real song, but I'm a kids bop guy because I have kids. Uh, but fellas, it's time to get started, and people remember, we are sponsored and powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, every single moment, is so much better when you even if you don't like hockey you can still bet on it and you can watch it and make it exciting because you want to see who scores that first goal right or you want to see how many saves a goalie can have we'll talk about that because the wild goalie drama we thought it was last year no not over yet but hey fellas it's a lot going on in sports it's a beautiful eh, it's a rainy friday let's be honest but we got to get locked in on this show today so luke what you got yeah, Ron, less than one week away from the NFL draft. So we got to talk about the latest rumors with the Vikings draft plans and what the heck they're going to do with that first round pick. And have Dean Evison and the Wild fumbled the goalie situation for a second year in a row. We'll talk about that, too. And it's Pablo Day. The Twins officially extend Pablo Lopez. He leads the league with strikeouts, 33 of them. Can he get some run support, though? Hmm. Well... Going down 3-0 in the NBA playoffs, 149-0. No team has ever come back down 3-0. Now, we know LeBron 3-1, but not 3-0. No team has ever come back down 3-0. So this is a must-win game for the Timberwolves. We'll talk about that coming up on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Friday Roundtable. Well, let's jump into it, fellas. Like you said, Luke, there's draft rumors. Anthony Richardson. I mean, there's all kinds of names. What's the rumors going on right now with the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, Ron, so many needs, not many picks. Really what it comes down to, three things, in my opinion, at the end of the day, when we think about the Vikings on the clock with the 23rd overall pick, it's either take the best cornerback or wide receiver available, trade back and get more picks, or trade up and go get your guy at quarterback for KOC to start grooming post-Kirk Cousins era. And here's the reality for the Vikings right now. Kirk Cousins, he's a good quarterback. And they got a good football team with them. But if a guy like Hendon Hooker, for example, or if somehow Will Levis from Kentucky starts falling to them outside that top 10, right? Past teams like Tennessee at 11, who could be in play for a new quarterback. Think about this just from a front office perspective for a second. And the temptation for Quasey to get out of Kirk Cousins' contract next season and reset their financial market and open up some new avenues they haven't had to play with before and try and become a better team or just a greater version of themselves they haven't had the luxury to try and build yet, just from a pure cap space point of view. Because eventually, guys, you got to pay J.J., Eventually, you got to pay Hawkinson. Eventually, you got to pay Christian Derrissaw. And guess what? That's not only going to be expensive, as we know, but it's going to come a lot faster than you think it will. And they know that better than anybody. So there's a thought they could move back and get some extra picks. There's a thought they could take a cornerback or a wide receiver. But I truly think, Ron, from everything we've seen and heard, the Vikings will have a new quarterback a week from today when we wake up next Friday morning. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, Sam, what you got? Boy, it, it is very interesting. I I get the sense that, and I know there, there's a lot of smoke right now, people saying that Stroud is going to drop, people saying that Richardson's going to drop. I still think that these are all top 10 picks. I think mm. Levis is a top 10 pick, Richardson top 10 pick, Ooh. Stroud. If the Vikings want to go get one of them, they're going to have to move up 15 or so spots. 
I don't know if Kwesi is willing to do that. That's just such a large jump. He would have to give up so much draft capital, and you are in kind of a a pseudo-rebuild mode. I don't know if that's a sacrifice he wants to make. So I contend that if you are getting a quarterback, it's going to be a Hendon Hooker type, someone who might actually fall to you at 23, or maybe you could even trade back and still obtain. I just don't know if they have the draft capital or the ambition to trade all the way up to get one of those top four guys. Yeah, Reggie, what you got? It's interesting because I saw a mock draft this morning that had uh, Will Levis fall to them at 23. Wow. And it's interesting because I feel like if Levis gets out of that top 10, I'm not so sure that a team doesn't like trade up to those teens to go grab him. So I'm not sure that he would last all the way to that 23rd pick. We've seen some crazy things on draft night, so that could very well be in play. But it's just so interesting what we're hearing now saying that the Houston Texans may not be sold on drafting a quarterback at two. And my question is like, well, who's going to be under center? Because – they were cooked last year, so they have to draft the quarterback, in my opinion, but maybe they see it differently. I don't know, but it's just interesting if they don't, which I feel like it's kind of just smoke and mirrors. All this stuff is being fed to all these media people, and they're just telling us what they're fed, and we don't know what's true and what's not. But if that is a possibility and the Texans somehow don't go QB, we could see a situation where the Vikings do land one of these top-tier guys. And when I look at Bryce Young, I look at Will Anderson Jr., I look at C.J. Stroud, and then Jalen Carter is the question mark. I think Jalen Carter changes this draft. If teams fall away from him because of his off-the-field issues, it's going to change the scope of the draft because it's going to force other people to say, okay, do we want Jalen Carter? Cause we didn't think he would be here because technically he's a top five pick, but now people are saying he could fall to the Eagles. People are saying he could fall to, and a lot of teams are saying he's not getting out the top five. So I think it's going to be one of those drafts where we're sitting around waiting for guys like that and puzzle pieces to fall. This is what I say for the Vikings though. Julius Brents, uh, Brents from Kansas state, six, three, 200 pounds. I, like I said, I always like the long guys. Now he is a slender long, but I like long guys. When you think about playing man, cornerback defense, like a Caleb Evans long can play man. If he gets beat, has the arm length to be able to knock down those passes. Cause if you're a yard away, his arms help being able to play the hands of a DB or receiver, but he was 67th. So he was a second round. Now they're saying he might jump to the first. So for the Vikings, I still feel like you can trade back if somehow, I don't know how, but if you can get a second and a third or two seconds, I feel like Hendon Hooker, I personally, if Hendon Hooker doesn't get hurt, he's ahead of Anthony Richardson. They're both about me now, Anthony Richardson's 244, but 217, 6'3", 6'4", 244, like those are similar. I mean, a little bit more slender. If he doesn't get hurt, I feel like he's ahead of Anthony Richardson. So that's what I want to see. I think Hendon Hooker could be the future, but it is up to health. But that's the perfect situation. He can sit behind Kirk Cousins for years and rest and get healthy and then be able to come in two years from now and be the starter in the franchise of the Minnesota Vikings. But we'll see what they t- decide to do. And just real quick here too, Ron, as far as Julius Sprentz goes, he's a hot name. Remember Tariq Woolen from last year? Seattle found him a hidden gem on day three. Long, lanky. He had the fastest three cone, despite his size. You just talked about a six, three and a half, 200 pounds. He had the fastest three cone of 
any cornerback at the combine in Indy. So we know Quasey loves that lower body explosion. Julius Prince, if you're talking about a scenario where the Vikings do trade back, and I, again, like you, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but they try to recoup some extra picks. He's a guy that I would love that they target once you move back 5, 10, 15 spots. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people trade back and they go maybe to the end of the first and then they still get a second round pick out of that because the mm-hmm. person jumped 10 spots. And so we know, or whatever, nine spots. So we know that is viable. You could trade back out of the first and go second and third. You could go early second, late second. So there's a lot of factors. It's all about, I mean, this is the, the draft. I've always been told this from, from the day I got drafted. The draft is about uh, the stock market. It's all about what I can buy and sell for. It doesn't really matter what it's worth. It's what I can buy and sell for, and you need two parties. It just takes two people to tango, and that's what the Vikings have to do. They have to find a team that feels like 23 is more valuable to them than it is to the Vikings, and then they have to fleece them. I mean, honestly, you have to take them for what you can get and say, give me a second and a third. I mean, for those people that haven't seen the movie Draft Day, Sam, I hope you've seen that movie because I know you're not a movie guy. For the everydayers, you guys know Sam hates movies. He doesn't watch them. (laughs) But Draft Day – I've with, seen uh, it. Kevin I've Costner. Seen it. Okay, thank yep. you. Okay. Yep. So for those that haven't seen it, watch Draft Day. It is actually it, it's it's overdone. Great. I've talked to some GMs that that were on that you know stage or whatever they were. Uh, what, what do you call consultants? Mm-hmm. I guess for the movie, um, they gave them kind of tips and then they overdid it for movie purposes. But it's really like that. Dudes are eating breakfast. They're getting calls. They're getting text messages. I, I've seen a draft room of the phone calls coming in, people hanging up, people laughing at other GMs. Like, did you really just offer me that? Click. So <laughs> it happens. So it, that's why this is this is a fun, like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I can't wait. Friday, I will. Uh, if they do draft a first-round pick, I will be on the scene first with the Vikings. We are going to – they're flying the guy in, and me, myself, Pete Bursich, uh, we're going to be a part of, like, the press conference breakdown on Vikings.com. So I'm looking forward to it. But if they trade back, then we'll be talking about the trades on Friday and then getting ready for Friday's draft and hopefully have a second-round pick. But we'll see. But, Sam, we've been in this position before with goalies, and we thought we were done with it, but yep. here comes again. And I actually went to sleep, so I didn't even see all the game. Uh, and But I woke up to everybody saying, at what point do you pull the goalie? <laughs> Sam, what's going on with the Wild? All right. It's deja vu all over again. Last year, it was Cam Talbot and Marc-Andre Fleury. Talbot is playing better. They yep. trade for Fleury. Talbot still played better. And they started Fleury. And they, they rolled with Fleury until it was too late. <laughs> this year... They've got the young kid, Philip Gustafson. Yep. He's playing better than Flurry. He plays great in game one, double overtime marathon. And they put Flurry in for game two. Now, <clears throat> this coaching staff in this front office for the Wild. Oh, and for those that didn't know, the Wild got smoked in game two, seven to three, in case you had your, your head buried in the sand there. Um, didn't go well for Flurry, and I'm sure he won't start tonight in game three. But. The Wild have now outthought themselves two years in a row at the goaltender position because they are enamored by Marc-Andre Fleury's resume and his veteran status. But if you look at Marc-Andre Fleury's career trajectory, he's 38. The, the stats the last two years are clearly inferior to what he did at his peak. And it just surprises me, guys, because this is not a coaching staff that's enamored by veterans or by like what you've done in the past. This is a group that literally cut Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. They, they said, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Bye guys. This is a coaching staff that scratches 
underperforming players all the time. So for them to to feel the need or the urge to start Marc-Andre Fleury, to massage his ego or for whatever reason, that's baffling to me. Ride the hot hand. Gustafson earned that start on Wednesday, and uh, I hope we don't see Fleury again. Yeah, what you got, Luke? Sam, just real quick, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Gus Bus like top three in the league in like goals allowed per game and saves per game? If not even like top two, I thought I heard that somewhere. I guess I just need you to explain it to me like I'm five for a second because all I heard was it's almost unheard of to pull your winning goalie, especially after the game he had in game one and not have him in the net in game two. So, is there an advantage that I'm missing or what's the thought process like? Or is this just like an ego and pride thing? Like as a GM and a coach, I want to be proven right that I made a trade for this guy to use him yeah. in the playoffs and I want him to go out there and make me look good. I'll give you the rationale and and I disagree with the rationale Okay, because at all levels, high school hockey, college hockey, if you're alternating goaltenders at some point, you do have to make a decision. Like these high school coaches, these college coaches, all these pro coaches, generally you settle on somebody. Uh, the Wild have determined that because they were alternating during the season, they're just going to keep on doing that. Um, and they probably have told themselves, well, Gustafson's never had to start a lot of games in a row. He's always kind of been in rotation with Flurry, so maybe this is a more comfortable spot for him. But uh, once you get to this stage, I think you got to roll the dice and go with the guy. Like, and the, clearly the lights were not too bright for him in game one. So, so that I think should have been evidence enough that we can trust Gus in the net in game two. And they didn't. Yeah. Reggie, what you got? If I'm Gus, I'm pissed because we saw it happen to Cam Talbot and they ended up trading Talbot for Gus, which you're like, okay, we didn't really think much. You know, they brought Flurry back and, you know, they're honestly, I don't know if we really thought much of this wild team for this year. And it's funny, Bill Guerin says this year's team would beat last year's team, even though last year's team yeah. seemed like it was all world. But they added flour to the mix. And it just seems like there's just this this loyalty. I don't know what he has on like he's Bill Guerin's guy. I don't know what he has on Billy G. Like some 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 picks, some kids. I don't know. I don't know what's going on back there. But like, I, if I'm Gus, I'm pissed. The first like two three minutes of the game, you see a breakaway goal and Flowers just on his belly, giving up a goal, and it just kept happening all night. And you're just like, okay, at some point, when do you not say that this guy is cooked? Because at this point now, he's he's hurting your chances. They had every chance to go into Dallas and steal another game and be able to come back home up two games. But Fleury couldn't stop anything. And it was so cool to see the two goals scored in 11 seconds and all that. But then after that's done, they still go ahead and score like three more goals. And the thing is just out of reach. Like he didn't even give them a chance. So if I'm Gus and I'm watching that, I'm like punching glass right now. I'm like, get me in there. Yeah, I think don't, the big don't, thing. Don't even tempt the gods, Reggie, with another punch <laughs> from a key player. Yeah, there's one thing I'll say about it. You look at the one, uh, Gustafson, 54 shots, 52 saves. You look at Flurry, 31 shots, only 24 saves. You just got to do the math, honestly. One guy's at 90, over 90%. The other guy's at 77. I mean, at this point, you just go with the numbers. If you don't, you're stupid. 
You're just you're playing into like Sam said, you're playing into this was my game plan. I hate game plan coaches. And those are the coaches that lose. When you look at the, the Kansas City Chiefs, they and I love the mic'd up stuff when they are able to say, hey, this was the play. And then Tyreek Hill's like, wait, what about that one play we did like in week seven? And then Eric Bieniemy looks at the car. He's like, yep, let's do that. And they end up getting a deep ball on the 49ers. That was a couple of years ago. That's the type of stuff that winning coaches do. You just go with what works. You don't go with what you wrote down. And I think that's the problem for the wild. Like Sam said, they probably said, this is what we've been doing. We're going to keep doing it, but it doesn't work. It, you got killed last year by it. Like those that do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And the, the wild right now are repeating history. And they're, I mean, we'll see tonight. We'll see. Or is it tonight or tomorrow? Tonight. Tonight. We'll see tonight. Oh, this is a big sports night. We got the Timberwolves and we got the Wild. And speaking of the Timberwolves, it's some drama. Like, There's a two-parter to this one. Uh, we're going to jump into that. Before we do, we have a word from our sponsors. Today's show brought to you by uh, Built Bar and Built.com. Uh, Built has some unbelievable flavors. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. And you say to yourself, how could this possibly be good for you? Well, it is. It's healthy and it's tasty because they pack it with 17 grams of protein, but only four grams of sugar. It's low in calories. And now it's more accessible than ever. You can get Built Bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, head to the pharmacy section, pick up a four-bar box or a more hefty 13-bar box to really stock up on some Built Bars. Flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, peanut butter brownie. Mmm, so delicious. And hey, Built.com, your online source for picking up Built Bars as well. They're the best protein bar in the world, people. Stock up on some Built Bars today. Well, I've been a fan of this pitch count the whole year, so we got to jump into this. Reggie, what you got? So it, it's been interesting. Uh, the Twins officially extended Pablo Lopez this morning. Uh, I don't know why it took so long, but it, it finally happened uh, that they announced the deal. He's 1-1 one one this year, league-leading 33 strikeouts, 1.73 ERA. And he's not really getting any run support. So the, the last outing that he had was uh, Sunday. They lost to the Yankees 2-0. He went six, gave up seven, two earned, you know, 7K. Not not the best, but they lost 2-0. The, la the start before that, he got the no decision. The start before that, no decision. That first start, they won 2-0 against Kansas City. And so it's interesting because the, the pitching is supposed to kind of like anchor this staff. And if you look at the Twins pitching staff, they have one of the better staffs in the league. But then mm -hmm. you see what happened yesterday with Kenta Maeda. So this, this season has been kind of rough. Kenta's coming back from the TJ. His last start, he didn't finish. They said it was arm fatigue. A little, a little scared, but then he's okay. But then they skip his next start, bring up Louis Varlin. Then the the start after that, yesterday, second inning gets smoked with a 111-mile-per-hour off-the-bat ball to the ankle. And, Ouch. oh, man, he's writhing in pain, and you're, you're scared. You're like, oh, snaps. But then the X-ray shows no fractures. We're only, like, we're, we're about even a full month into the season yet, and we're already – just nervous about certain things with this pitching staff. And I don't know where the, the, the discourse goes from here, but with the staff that's supposed to 
like anchor this team. Just a little bit of concern there that number one, that the the injuries bug seems to just be like just inching closer and closer to hitting them. Uh, but two, like when you have these pitchers having these quality starts, you know, Joe Ryan is getting all kind of run support. Pablo's like, what's up? When I pitch, what what what's going on? Yeah, what you got, Luke? Yeah, that was a tough East Coast trip, man. Exhausting, probably the best word to describe it. I mean, like Reggie said, they're literally limping back home now as you hope Kenta Maeda isn't hurt too bad after taking that liner off his ankle yesterday. But listen, as tough of a trip as it was, they still come home after all that. They're still in first place in the division. They've got a 10-game homestand now, starting with Washington, who's one of the worst teams in the league right now. And I think outside of Emilio Pagan again this year, I really like the new look of this pitching staff and rotation. I think offensively, honestly, is where I get worried the most. I think they really need guys like Jorge Polanco back in the lineup, which it sounds like he could be back in these next few games and maybe a few other bats just to spark some more consistency in that lineup. But I think big picture right now, it's still so early. They flashed a little bit and stacked up some wins, which is great. But I think we're all waiting to see what the real identity of this team is going to be when we get in the thick of the season. And right now, it's probably just too early to tell. We saw some good stuff right out the gate. We've seen some bad stuff on this last road trip, but now you got 10 games at home to regroup again and start stacking some more wins up while you figure out again exactly what the identity of this team truly is. By the way, just looked at the weather before the show. Highs in the low 40s. Going to be some chilly baseball these next few days. Mm -hmm. Sam? Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise the offense is 22nd in runs and 26th in average when they've already had injury scares with the following offensive players, Polanco, Kirilov, neither of them have played yet, Buxton, Correa, Kepler, Gallo, Farmer. Did I just rattle off seven-ninths of their lineup? Like, this is insane. Every year the Twins go through this. We're not even to the end of April, and already it's a mash unit. Uh, there's something in the water here in Minnesota with these baseball players, and a lot of it's freaky stuff. Kyle Farmer getting hit in the face by a pitch. Um, Byron Buxton colliding with a second baseman. Fortunately, he seemed to be all right, even though he's kind of struggling at the plate. Just bizarre injury. And then Maeda yesterday getting nailed with a liner. It's, uh, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when the lineup is already kind of unrecognizable. You've got guys that are in over their head you know, batting in these key spots. So we got to see more from the lineup. Pitching's great. Absolutely love what I'm seeing from the staff. Fourth in ERA. Uh, if that continues, good things will happen, but you got to stay healthy. Yeah, you, you look at the injury report, you think they were playing a contact sport, Sam. Uh, I mean, what's going on? This is baseball. Uh, how does this happen to this team year Every after year? It's year. just wild. Yeah, I'd say we always talked about the trainers. We always talk about the sport, but it's all about, you know, spring training. What are you doing before? What are you doing with your muscles? I'll do this real quick. I'm actually okay with where they're at. I mean, I, I get the whole extension of the contract, and that had to happen, but we know historically, I mean, I'm not a Polar pocket protector, but people always say the Twins' ownership is cheap. So we knew that's going to come. When anytime there's money, uh, sometimes they wait, and then sometimes they make a dumb decision, and they, it hurts them. But here's where I go with this East Coast trip. If you were to tell me they were going to play the twin or the, the Yankees and the Red Sox, most people say they're coming back with one win. They actually beat the Yankees 11 to 2. They actually beat the Red Sox 10 to 4. So it's there. 
it's just how do you become more consistent? And I think it's about confidence. I think it's about like like Reggie said, when it comes to the bats, it's about seeing every pitch, understanding the pitch count now. So you have to train your mind to see the pitch faster because you're not going to get all that crap. You're not now. You might get some rosin with some glue and some sticky stuff and some Home Depot stuff, but other than that, you know, and you might not get a, a pitcher thrown out. But other than that, take that what fifteen seconds, seventeen. I don't know what it is now. But be ready to go because some batters aren't ready to go and they're getting in the box late and then the pitcher's just going to throw because he's like, look, I got two seconds left. It's on you now. And so I think that's the key to the bats. If you're in the box ready to go, you put that pressure on the pitcher to have to hurry up and get his clock going because it's a it's a cat and mouse where some pitchers are waiting on batters to get uh the the whatever the call is, the delay. And then some batters are playing that game to force pitchers to mess up. So just be in the box, be ready to hit, have the confidence knowing that you know what pitch is coming uh, and, and just swing. I think that's going to be the key for this team. Uh, for those people watching on YouTube, we thank you uh, for joining us. We thank you for continuing to like, share, comment, but also tell a friend and please subscribe. And then for those listening, wherever you get your podcast, we thank you as well. And, and either way, both platforms, you can switch over. But remember, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia app, it's free. You can get the Locked On Sports Minnesota app channel right there on your device you can take us with you wherever you go and then of course roku and amazon we are now on there uh please download the app on amazon fire or roku and you can see all of our videos all of our shows uh last one before we jump into our fast fire stuff the timberwolves and i'm just gonna be really quick with this when you think about the nba going down 2-0 is tough but again I think somebody said it's not a series until somebody wins uh, on the road. Well, the twins or the twins, the Timberwolves have to win both at home. So it's still not going to be a series because they got to win both. And then they got to find a way to steal one. I don't know if it's going to happen with the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a lot better than we thought. But here's a stat, 149-0. and A team going down 3-0 has never, never, not say they haven't won a game, they've never moved on. And if the Timberwolves go down 3-0 tonight, it's over. They're going to get swept. And then we're going to be talking about, was this trade dumb? Was it worth it? When you talk about the Timberwolves team, we can say injuries. But look at John Morant. When John Morant's hurt, the, the Memphis Grizzlies, I think, are like 27-8 and eight when John's been out. So we can say Carl Anthony Town was out, but where was Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert? You two should be able to do it. Uh, when Jaden McDaniels and Nas Reed go down, why aren't you know Mike Conley, uh, you know the four, Gobert, Anthony, like what, what is going on with this team? And, and I'm again, I'm not going to put it on Chris Finch. But I just I'm concerned about the lack of like urgency with this team because Rudy Gobert plays lazy. And so that's what I'm worried about. And if you start off lazy against the Nuggets, Jokic is a lot better than I thought. He moves slow and that's not my type of player. Like I like Joel and B because he's quick twitch, but the Joker is good. You can't you can't deny it. And those guys can shoot. They have a bunch. They put a roster together that I felt like the Timberwolves should have one big and then a bunch of scores. We didn't do that. But I don't know, man. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, Ron, to your point, like this is just what happens when you watch an eight seed versus a one seed. I mean, the Nuggets are the one seed for a reason. They're one of the best teams in the NBA, period. Great reminder, though, why it was so important to lock up a five or a six or even a seven seed. This is the position they put themselves in, losing so many of those winnable games during the regular season. And to one degree, I think it is self-inflicted. I do question Coach Finch at times, even though I love Coach Finch. Uh, you just At a certain point, you got to start pointing the finger to the coach because the talent's still there. On the other hand, 
I think all the way back to the start of the season and how outside of maybe what the first five, eight games, this team has never been fully healthy. Finch has never really had his full roster to play with at any point. Cat misses 52 games. Prince misses 20. McLaughlin missed a ton of time. Noel, Nas Reed goes down at the worst possible time. Obviously, he's a critical part to this team. Rudy has been banged up off and on. They just never had their full arsenal of guys consistently at any point in the season. And I'm just thinking big picture now for a second, whether they bounce back and win a couple games here, or they lose in five, let's say. I wonder as frustrating as the season has been, do they use all those injuries and justify running the whole thing back next year? Or do they have some sort of emergency escape plan in their back pocket? Mm-hmm. And do they do something crazy like try and trade cat? Or does it depend on how these next few games actually go? That's what I'm going to be most curious about. Sam? Yeah, when you look at a player like Jokic, he doesn't have bad nights because his game is so well-rounded. He is the Serbian Duncan. <laughs> he just he he makes the right plays. He's very consistent and he's extremely boring. He's very I can't boring. stand his brand of bat. Like it's so boring. It's so slow. and so frustrating to watch him beat you. Him and Kyle and I, Anderson playing together could put you. Oh to my bed. gosh! Oh, can you imagine the pace of that <laughs> offense? And, and and I couldn't stand Anderson either until he came to the Wolves, and now I love him. But you don't see Jokic have off nights because he impacts the game in so many ways. Cat, just he's so hot and cold. Loved him early against the Lakers. Loved him in the Thunder game. But then he he disappears in these big spots. He fades late in games if he's in foul trouble. Um, and very dependent sometimes on whether the three is going down or not. Like, I think he's at his best when he's he's attacking, he's getting in close, he, he really feels like he's in the flow of the game. When he's just a spot-up shooter, then it's all about, well, does it go in or does it not go in? And, and, and he loses his ability to impact these games sometimes if he's just relegated to standing in the corner. So got, obviously got to see more from Cat tonight if the Wolves are going to make this a series. I tend to think they lose in five kind of like when they were the eight seed against the Rockets back in 18. <laughs> Reggie. This team is incredibly frustrating because the talent is there. But you now have back-to-back games where Cat scores 10 points. He scored 11 points in game one. Wolves were minus nine when he was on the floor the other night. That's just – I Finch blamed himself – after the game, saying that he has to put Cat in better positions. But honestly, Cat just needs to be aggressive. You know, like, there are some shortcomings. I heard what Luke said because after last year, I thought that they looked good. Maybe, you know, they added a few pieces, Walker Kessler, and, you know, maybe they try to run it back. But they were like, nah, we're going to blow it up. We're going to get Rudy and, and blow the whole thing up. And I don't know that that really worked well for them. So I can see your point, Luke, where you're like, well, we tried that last year and we still ended up in the same spot we were the the year before. Do we maybe try to see if Nas is healthy? We see if if Jaden gets back healthy and we try to, you know, we, we really didn't get a chance to see Cat and Gobert together for an extended period of time. But honestly... I just don't know, like, the, the chemistry is off. And the, the tough part about Denver is is I thought that the Wolves had a good shot. And I was a little discouraged about them just not getting – or discouraged about them, like, getting swept 
And then they turned it on in that third quarter. And I'm like, okay, this is the Wolves team that I think they could be. They ended the third quarter with the lead. And then the fourth quarter happened. Denver has just, to your point, Ron, an incredible amount of shot makers. Like when you have Contavious Caldwell Pope hitting, Jeff Green hitting threes, and then, oh, yeah, then Jamal Murray's going off. And like you said, Sam, Jokic is doing what he does. He's always going to positively affect these games. And then all of a sudden, one guy's cold. And then, oh, yeah, now Michael Porter Jr. is just busting threes in our face. Four-point like, play to start the fourth oh quarter. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it seems like an avalanche at times. You know, yeah. no pun intended there in Denver. But – it just really seems like there's so much to overcome. And if the Wolves can't make shots, and to your point, Sam, when Cat doesn't see those shots go in, I think it's it's good to see him maybe get aggressive, put the ball on the on the, the floor and, like, get to the rim because he's big. Like, get to the rim. Make them fear you. But I think he – sometimes he's like, oh, man, the shot's not going down. Then he gets in his head – and he's just, you know, trying to do mid-range and, and three-pointers, and it's just not working. Like, they need to lock in because if they go down that that 3-0 tonight, I think the series is over. You said maybe five. I, I see maybe a sweep if, if they don't yeah. find a way to get this game tonight. Yeah, when you look at the Timberwolves, too, the way they're set up, it's, it's built to control the game. And Cat should be the guy. Like, if you watch the, the the Nuggets offense and you watch the 70, I love the 76ers offense. Even with James Harden now, Maxie came alive last night and found a way to win that game. The Nets found a way to lose the game. They're idiots. I mean, they threw the ball in the backcourt and nobody was back there and it was a free dunk to end the game. Like, I think, and I, I meant to check FanDuel to see what the spread was because I'm like, I know, because you can even see Joe MB like screaming, like, don't dunk it. Like, just keep the ball. <laughs> it's five seconds left and the guy uh, dunks it. So I, I meant to look at the FanDuel to I'm see. I'm going to look. If there's look. any bad beats in the 76ers. Um, oh, it was it was Philly minus five, and they won by five. So what is that so a push? It, it would have put it, yeah, it would have rescued the peep the Philly betters and at least gotten their money back. Yeah. If he didn't do it. If he well, the the fact that he did it saved Philly betters. Right, um, because they would have won yeah. by three. Right. Yeah. Right. So I know those people probably were cheering, and the other people they probably were like, no, like we're going to cover because they probably put their money on the net on the nets, you know? So again, bad beat. That was a chance. And then they had to break even now, but yeah, I saw the dunk and I saw Joel and B Joel and B probably was like, I bet on the nets, dude, stop. Like, what are you talking about? We got this. We won the game and about to win money on FanDuel. No players wouldn't bet on their own games. I'm, I'm joking. Uh, don't come get me. <laughs> but when you think about moments like that, I think that's where the Timberwolves are. They have to find a way to outdo Jokic um, because Jokic, sorry, because that's that's who they go through. Um, fun one, though. So here's a here's a good phone. We got two phone quick ones before we get out of here. Um, <laughs> Rudy Gobert. I didn't even think he used social media. Like, I mean, I really he just doesn't seem like a social media guy to me, but he's on Instagram. And so this morning I wake up to the Rudy Gobert Instagram uh, comment and the NBA and Bleacher Report and all these other publications do these like player voted uh, awards. And one is overrated, which I think is a mean. That's like I feel like this was Mean Girls. Like this feel like a part of Mean Girls movie. You're going to vote on the most overrated player. Like that's a little mean. Sam, like, Mean Girls is a movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Sam, was- have you seen Mean Girls? Oh yeah, uh, With Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> no, 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 you have not. 
I've heard I've heard it. I've heard good things. You've never seen Mean Girls? Oh, so you don't even understand why we wear pink on Wednesdays then. Sam thinks it's oh, a documentary goodness. or something. We wear <laughs> pink fact. on Wednesdays, Sam. Is it like mean a like girls. a cyberbullying documentary? And October third. Yeah. I think well, October third was the day that Aaron yeah. asked her what what day it was or for a pencil or something. Oh, that's right. It was October third. That's he right. asked me what time it was. <laughs> or yeah. He asked me what time it was or something. <laughs> Ron knows it. He's got Fun it. Fact, Sam, you have no idea. Fun fact, that movie was based off a real life scenario that happened at my wife's high school. What? Oh, they wow. had four mean girls. Mm-hmm. Dang. That's yeah, Sam, so you gotta from. go watch it now, Sam. Like it's Lindsay Lohan. It's like a Christmas party Great scene movie. where the mom is a part. I mean, it's it's Tina her Fey. mom is Tina yeah, Fey Tina Fey is uh she's the teacher. And then the other woman that does stuff with Tina Fey, forgot her name, Amy Poehler. Star studded cast, I've heard. Yeah. yeah, you got to see Mean Girls, Sam. Anyway, the All NBA right. did a Mean Girls type of thing where they voted. Some of these are not good votes. These are mean things. But his most overrated player, Rudy Gobert, got some votes, uh, as well as Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson, people say he's overrated because if it wasn't for LeBron and uh, Khloe Kardashian, we wouldn't even care about Tristan Thompson. He's been riding LeBron's coattails forever, and he got famous because he got Khloe uh, Kardashian pregnant. And so, again, he just keeps finding his way on teams. For Rudy Gobert, somebody said he's 7'3". He's supposed to block shots. Are you kidding me? What else does he do? And Rudy Gobert's response was just the laughing emoji. He didn't even have a response. He couldn't even say like, oh, I got a good post game. I got a little turnaround with a two-step sidestep jumper. Like, I watched Joel Embiid at seven feet move. He is ridiculous with the ball. Mm. I see Rudy Gobert with the ball, and I'm like, pass it now. Here's the problem. That's where they voted. He's overrated. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Like, and, and Rudy Gobert's comment, I guess. Is he is he overrated? Like, is he 7'3? Should he should be blocking shots and defensive player? Or is he is what he is? He's 7'3 and and you know, these players are just being mean. I'll start with you, Reggie. Yeah, I think it just kind of is what it is. Like when you watch Rudy play, he's not the most like coordinated dude. He's just oh <laughs> You know, it's just—it's like he doesn't know what to do with himself. Like I don't—I don't know. It's—it's—it's it's, it's interesting. I was kind of skeptical of the trade when it first happened because I'm like, this is a dude that you know. Now they got Mike Conley there, so it, it's helping him a little bit. But like, he's a dude that doesn't necessarily create his own offense. Like he needs to get the ball in his spots. He's a dude that that cleans up after misses and and things like that. Like. But nobody is more overrated than Tristan Thompson. Like, they got that finals win, and then all of a sudden LeBron was just like, yeah, yeah, keep him around. He got the $66 million. I'm like, for what? What does he even do? The dude averages like 2.6 points a game or something like that and gets like six boards. I saw him doing TV this year on an NBA Today, and then all of a sudden when the playoffs started – he was wearing my Lakers gear. I'm like, what are you doing? What is he even there for? Yep, it's just yep, like he's because he's cool with LeBron. LeBron's like, yeah, yeah, let's give my boy uh, a uniform. Give him a give him a playoff contract just to sit on the bench for moral support because he is not doing anything to affect these games. The expectations for him reached like another stratosphere. And even if he played like the defensive stud we were expecting, it, it still might not have been enough because when you push every single chip you have into one guy, it almost gets to the point where it's like championship or bust, which was way unrealistic to begin with, at least in year one, in my opinion. And to watch him come in and just be, you know, slightly above average, the way the whole thing started out so slow out the gate, the fact he's been banged up so much, and then the fact they had to go make another trade 
just to try to get their money's worth out of him with Conley, which obviously definitely worked out. But still, the whole thing has just been super frustrating, to say the least. And when you add in, again, the sky-high unrealistic expectations, it's just been a super questionable move that obviously it's going to be criticized for the rest of Conley's time here in Minnesota for years and years. So, yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, Sam, what you got? Yeah, I think that it's all relative to his salary, right? Because Mm -hmm. if this was Walker Kessler doing the exact same stuff at a rookie salary, we'd be fine with it. But it's the salary that's so restrictive. So when you are watching this guy brick little bunny layups or not able to catch the ball under the basket, like remember that third quarter in game one where the Wolves, I think we're down 11 at halftime. You still thought maybe they were in the game. First four possessions of this of the second half, I think, went Rudy's way in some form or fashion. And he was fumbling the ball and he couldn't catch the the post entry. And that game got out of control fast. And a lot of that was on him. He he was kind of the source of their uh offense that was just stubbing its toe. It, it it's maddening to watch when he's only good on one end of the floor. And the salary, is, you can't take that out of your mind. That's just such a big piece of this that's, that's preventing them from signing other players, and it costs them so many draft picks, and, and that's just a gigantic negative in Gobert's uh, favor. So I, I kind of think he is overrated, guys. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm going to go with overrated. I think he is a little bit overrated. I think the defense is overrated, but I do agree with Sam on the salary. Like, I think it's restrictive. I also agree with with Reggie on the, that's how he, like, when Reggie just did what he did, that's how I imagine Rudy Gobert doing everything. Like, I just want... Like when he gave everybody COVID, like he did that to the microphone. He was like, oh, here's a microphone. Let me touch this. Let me touch this. And then everybody gets COVID in Utah, and then the whole world shuts down. Like Rudy Gobert shut the world down, if y'all don't remember. Like the Utah Jazz stopped the world, and they had to give everybody COVID tests. And then the rest of the world was like, oh, my God, we all need to get COVID tests. It started in Utah, and we bought him to Minnesota. Like we bought ground zero monkey from outbreak to Minnesota. Yes, he's overrated. He's very overrated. Um, this is this. Is what I'll say last one. We get out of here really quick, fellas. I just realized this for all you Minnesota people. One, take your nap today. I cannot because my daughter has a track meet today. I don't know if we're gonna actually have it because it's freezing outside. But allegedly, this middle school sixth eighth graders are still gonna go. And then she has volleyball, so I got to figure out how I'm gonna get some sports in between all of this. Plus, then tomorrow we got volleyball plus softball. So be a busy weekend for me. But really quick, I just realized this. the Twins play at seven thirty. We'll see. Uh, and then the Wild and the Timberwolves both play at 8.30. So Minnesota fans will have a lot of TVs going. I know at my office I got it set up where I can have my TV going and my laptop and my iPad with another one in the living room. I can do the same thing. So I'm going to kind of have the Wild on just so I can see it. But I'm going to have the Timberwolves on the big screen because that's what I'm, I want to see. But for you guys, really quick before we get out of here, 10 seconds, which one are you going with the most, Twins, Timberwolves, or uh, the Wild tonight? Go with you, Luke. There's an art to this, Ron, and with the power of DVR, you shut that phone off, you put it on silent, no distractions, you pick your poison, either Wild or T-Wolves, sorry, Twins, we got 150 other games, don't worry, (laughs) but you pick one, you rip through it best you can, and then you flip over to that other one. Keep the phone off, though, no distractions. That's hard, I can't leave the phone off. It's tough, man. What you got, Sam? What you you doing? I think you're going hockey, but what you got? The phone is integral. The phone is the second screen. You got to have the right apps. You got to have the Xfinity stream or the Valley Sports app, so I'll probably have 
Wolves mainstream mainstream a okay. little easier to watch hockey passively on the side with the okay. volume down. So I'll have the hockey on the phone, and then during halftime or intermission, flip flop, and uh, and hopefully they're not ending at the exact same time know, in a dramatic be... way because that uh. gets tough. But hopefully there's a little staggered in the the finish. What you got, Reggie? Look, I work at a TV station, so, <laughs> so you look, got them all. Pull me up. Look, wolves on one screen, wild on the <laughs> other screen. Turn the volume up on both. Let's do all the chaos. Let's do it. <laughs> Just bring the chaos, Avengers style. Yeah. Uh, Tony Stark, I see you over there, Reggie. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going Timberwolves, but I'm definitely going to wild. And I can't turn my phone off, Luke. So I got to do it simultaneous because I got to tweet. Because I'm the you let's go to. hockey guy. Like right, I, I love right. my let's go hockey that tweets because yeah. people love it. Like I don't I don't know why it's so funny. I tweet some about hockey and people like love to tell me like either I'm right or I'm, like I'll be like oh man I can't believe they put him between the pipes tonight because I say it like I know what I'm talking about. People are like <laughs> yeah man I can't believe you right like why would they put what like Gustavus has to be back there like I, I just love that you know and I'd be like oh man he just went he just went triple deep up top. <laughs> In the crease. In the crease. Look, I'm throwing itself in front of the net like that. Yeah, and then people love it. So I got to be able to tweet both. And I also got to tweet when when Rudy Gobert does something stupid tonight. I got to tweet it. Like the minute have one locked and loaded. Like the minute he tries a Euro step and then travels because he's awkward. Like he has the worst. Remember his behind the back dribble in the Thunder game? Oh, it was kind of it was kind of saucy and kind of athletic little way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, yo, but Joker too. Joker tries to go behind the back, and it's so slow. And he travels every time, and they're just yeah. every yeah, single just time on, he does the walks. Play on, <laughs> like last night. Uh, Devin Tin, or what is I, I can't say his name right, but Vincenzo uh, for the Warriors. He put the ball in his left hand, and then put it in his right hand, and then dribble in the middle between. I'm like, and everybody's like, how is that not double dribble? Like these refs <laughs> in the playoffs are just letting these players do whatever they want because they're like, oh, wait, okay, never mind. That's a highlight. That, let's go on the sports center. It's like, no, <laughs> you're going to go on the ref.com sports center because we're going to talk about the fact that you guys are cheating. But, hey, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Inman. That's Sam Exxon. That's Reggie Wilson. We had a fun show today. And, everybody, enjoy your night. I don't care what you pick. I know you hockey people. You're going to pick hockey, so don't get mad at us. I know you basketball people. You're going to pick basketball. The Twins, like, there's some – like, Brandon Warren, he's going to be watching Twins all night. He's not watching – he might, like, look at – basketball and hockey, but he's watching the twins. So whichever one you pick, enjoy it, drink responsibly, and have a good weekend.